Four Guys in a Cop, your hosts, Fred, Rusty, Tap, and Nova. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Four Guys in a Comic. Well, let's back. Let's actually say that. Welcome, everyone, to Three Guys in a Comic, because unfortunately, Rusty's not with us today. Rusty's he out is, of here. We gave him the yeah. food. The He's like, booty get food, Marvel. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> no, it was the whole Invincible thing, though, seriously. I mean, it's been we what? We just got tired of it. It's just, yeah. Yeah, we pushed him over the edge. That's what it was. We, we got Kirkman to write in Mark, and um, I can't believe this is slipping my mind, the dimension hopping guy. Who's uh, Do you know who I'm talking about, Red? The guy who yeah, uh, mentions. D- d- s- yeah, it's the doctor. It's I can okay. picture him. I can't think of the name, but I can picture he escapes, him. His name escapes us right now, but we got yeah. Kirkman to write them jumping to our dimension and killing Rusty, and it actually freaking happened. So whatever Kirkman does is canon. Yes. Um, now Rusty's busy with like a rock concert or something. I, we don't even know. He's uh, busy seeing Willie. He's actually seeing Willie Nelson right now. Ooh. On the road again. Rusty's got a diverse taste in music. Yeah, he does. He does. He's, at a, he's at a little festival called Austin City Limits. <laughs> Oh, so that's what ECL stand for. I was wondering what that was. Well, he was. said it like it's a common thing, but <laughs> nobody knew what he was talking about. I think uh, it's I know. like, like, I think it's like, a, like yeah, la- a poor man's version of South by Southwest. I don't know. Yeah, he he's like in the chat rooms, oh, I'm last night, last day at ACL, and no one knew what it was. Everyone's making up their own definitions. I mean, I... And I was coming up with the Associated Comic Linguistics, the Adaptive yeah. Cosmic League, uh, Aging Clitoral Veto. I don't know. What is ACL supposed to stand for? But um, long story short, he's not here. Um, so, well, we're trying so to for say. You, well, yeah. Exactly. So, so for you image uh, Marvel people out there, who knows what, what we'll get covered today. Well, it sucks to not be rusty because all I've been reading basically this week is New X-Men by Graham Morrison. Um, I got halfway through my omnibus, over halfway. And while we're on the topic, before I forget, um, people won't be able to see this, but I'm going to show you guys because what the hell. So I got two omnibuses here. New Holy. X-Men is on the top. Holy crap. New X-Men on the top, Exo Manowar at the bottom. Guess which one has... They, they both look like they're the same size, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, guess which one actually has more pages? Exo Manowar. Uh, the top. The new X-Men one. Oh. Uh, it's at 1,100. Exo Manowar is 800. So that's just a little indication of how thin Marvel's paper is. Mm. Um, 300 pages and it's the same size as an 800-page book. And they charge more. Anyway, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's my little bashing... <laughs> But it is Grant Morrison, so it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I... Uh, so let, let me just get this... Since we're discussing Marvel, let me just get this off my chest real quick. Um, oh. <laughs> so... So last week, I kind... I didn't bash it, but I kind of said how I wasn't really a fan of the new Amazing Spider-Man. I said I didn't have an issue with the writing. I just wasn't a fan of the way that the story was going. It kind of took the Peter that I knew and loved and put him in a world where a lot of people like keep comparing him to Tony Stark basically. And uh so thanks to Mr. Jabo, I went back, reread it with a more unbiased, open mind, and I got to say I am now eight before I'd only read like two issues and I wasn't a fan, and I just quit reading it. Uh but now I went back reread those two issues and I'm another six issues ahead cuz I'm now on issue 9 and I'm loving it. 
uh, it's just a really fun superhero book. Uh, Dan Slott's actually doing a really, really awesome job. And so I have to retract my previous statement from last week where I said that uh, I wasn't feeling Amazing Spider-Man. I think I feel it now. Yeah. Sellout. You're a sellout. Just I, just, no, I just went into it with a more open mind this time. I was like, Fair you enough. know what? Maybe last time I was just in a bitter mood. I don't know what my deal was. So I went yeah. in with a more open mindset, and it was. I, I still don't like the way Marvel's going in the direction of killing off all the mutants and things like that. I completely disagree with that. But Amazing Spider-Man is another title that I will continue to read, uh, which read is good because I have not. All right, well. well, you're talking about open minds. It's like, you know, I read Snot Girl when it first came out. You know, I read issue one, and it was kind of like, I loved, I loved the cliffhanger at the end of it. You know, it, it did um, want me to keep it in my pool box. And, but the rest of the series, so the, the issue was just like so-so. I, I couldn't relate to it. And I realized, you know, I'm going through my huge stack of, comics i need to catch up on which i don't know if i'll ever truly catch up on um i saw that i had issues two and three sitting there i'm like you know what let me go ahead and reread issue one again and with more of an open mind and read issue two and three and i'm kind of glad i did so because rereading it and then going through two and three it's like you know what this really isn't a bad story i can't you know and i put a post for those of you listeners i know i did a nice little review on youtube about it but I'm still not into the whole the art that's into it. I cannot completely relate to Snot Girl, but the story itself is enough that's an interesting and something that's still kind of fresh and new. So I'm kind of glad, like you said, you know, go back sometimes to things, keep an open mind, reread it, and maybe you'll get a different perspective on it. Yeah, it is true. Um. I also read Shade the Changing Girl Tap. I don't know if you've read that. I, yet, I guess. No, I have not had a chance. I've I've, no I've heard reviews about that. What was your take on Ooh, it? I haven't, I haven't really had a chance yet. It. Really? I really liked it. It's it's out there. I mean, it's it's a very different kind of book just because there's a lot of chaotic stuff happening, but it's got cool good cliffhanger. Um in between it's sort of it's like three stories going on at once. Um and they're all interconnected. It's just wild. It, I'm looking forward to is it. Is it connected at all to the original Shade, The Changing Man? Or is it just... Um, I think I haven't uh, I haven't read too much of the original Shade, The Changing Man, but I think he had the jacket that is in this, in this book as well. Okay. Apparently he wears a jacket that gives him all these powers and whatnot, so I now, think that's the same jacket. The one thing, this is a young animal imprint, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, explain to me what is the difference between the vertigo and the young is the young animal meant for like the teeny bopper type 15 it's, 16 year old it's comics for dangerous people it's basically the imprint that's saying if you like grant morrison comics you're gonna like this because it's like it's not for teeny boppers at all it's really not it's for mature readers oh okay um, i guess i just took the term young animal thinking it was it's it's like the ideas in it and the way the stories are told are not for people who like um linear stories they're sort of like Graham Morrison sometimes will just throw something insane into his comic that at first just you're like why did you do that why was that there and then eventually it gets explained uh mm-hmm. it's that sort of thing that's why Rusty as soon as he read Doom Patrol he's like I didn't understand anything and I was like well 
it's that was the point of the issue. They're just going to throw all this crazy stuff at you and explain it over the next coming issues. Um, that's sort of how it is. Like Shade was more you could follow it, it was more comprehensive than Doom Patrol. Um, so then, what would you say really the differences like between that and Vertigo? Because Vertigo is obviously much more uh, mature. It is, yeah. As well, but so. Is it just like because reading... Vertigo's more storytelling and this one's more all over the board? Yeah. Um, this sort of... Fe- it's weird. Young Animal feels sort of like the old school Vertigo where it was really... You read something like Sandman, which I know you've done, and it's sort of just literally everything is new. Yes. You know, it's not like... <laughs> it almost feels like every single aspect of the book is something that has never been in another book. Um, but something like... You know, even Frostbite, it's got sort of that reality edge to it where it's sort of mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's kind of a weird explanation. It doesn't really make sense, but um, that's what it feels like. I think what I'm going to have to do then is for those young animal titles is I'm going to let them build up a little ways and that's then a I'm gonna, and then I'm going to yep. binge it so that way I don't get confused like how Rusty did or, or whatnot. I think that'll mm-hmm. probably help. Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, good to know because, yeah, I, I was under the impression it was just like a a young a younger crowd imprint so that's good to know yeah for for listeners on the verge about young animal if you like grant morrison comics you're gonna love young animal it's basically for you know not only grant morrison fans but i mean they've got you know you've got that advantage of being a little crazy what have you gentlemen picked up this week? Any exciting grabs or pickups? Like, nobody I know you got Exo Man of War. Um, <laughs> you got it on I your also... birthday even, too, didn't you? I did. Yes. Oh, happy belated you... birthday. I yes. got it for myself, though. Um, that is the best gift. <laughs> the gift, I know. I, I bought myself that as a gift. And I got um, another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles IDW collection. Very cool. For my girlfriend, which was very awesome. And I also bought myself another gift because I was feeling a little saucy, dangerous, <laughs> a little saucy and dangerous. I bought the first um, James Bond hardcover, the new one from Dynamite, written by Mr. Mm. Warren Ellis. Mm. He's doing um, nice. first arc was called. It's not. I don't think this is a word. Varger, Varger, V A R G R. I'm probably. It's probably got to be something cool. I've been working my <laughs> way through that. <laughs> Very cool. But yeah. What about uh what about you, Tab? I oh my god. So I've gotten really I, lucky this I know week on got, several but... as- I got really lucky this week on several aspects. Um one, so as everybody knows, I'm collecting Hellblazer. Um and I thought I needed from the original Vertigo run, I thought I only needed like sixty something issues to complete my set of three hundred, whatever it is. Turns out I found a stack of Hellblazer that I forgot to catalog at one point in time. I really mm. only need 20 more issues. Well, 22 issues is what I needed. I only needed 22 more issues to complete my entire run. And uh, so this weekend I went out to the shops with my daughter and I found two of the issues that I needed. So I'm now down to 20 issues as all I need. I found four issues of Impulse that I needed to complete my Impulse run. So now I'm only... 13 issues shy of completing that one. I found one of the JLAs that I needed to complete my uh, JLA run from 97. So now I'm only down to two issues of that one missing. Um, And then, to top it all off, I got 
Well, then I got the Books of Magic, uh, Neil Gaiman hardcover, which normally is like 25 bucks, and I picked it up for 12 because my comic shop locally is amazing. And then after a long discussion with Nova, I was like, dude, I don't know. I was like, I just money's tight right now. Should I go get this Ooh. other book? And so I ended up coming across another 20 bucks, and I, uh, I went back into my local shop, and I actually got the Goon Library Edition hardcover, volume four, which just dropped for only 20 bucks. It's normally no. 40. I got it for yeah. 20. Uh, I was beyond ecstatic to get that. So now I have all four Goon Library hardcovers. Now, um, was was the, the sentence you came across $20 literal, or was that just sort of like a... I don't know, like, did you did, did you have to... Never mind. Joke didn't land. I'll uh, move on. <laughs> <laughs> it had to do with I actually, selling yourself. Not myself, no. I actually had some old books that... Because um, as you guys oh, know, nice. I have I have my room... Or my, uh, my line room that I have, and I was selling some books. And I had a couple books that hadn't sold yet. And I was like, you know, I really have nothing to do with these. I'd rather get these out to people that are actually going to read them. So I took them in somewhere and... Um, they gave me some money for him, so I was like, "All right, now I can justify buying the goon." <laughs> before money, totally. money, money was kind of tight, so I was, I was having a little bit of trouble justifying it. Um, also, we are going to be interviewing—I don't know if you guys are aware of this—but Mr. Tom Mandrake uh, in mm-hmm. a couple weeks, who's by far one of my top three favorite artists of all freaking time. So I'm beyond giddy. Um, he did like the Spectre run with uh, John Ostrander, and then he also did Martian Manhunter. Now I have every issue of the Spectre, um, but I have none of Martian Manhunter. So I actually found the first three issues of Martian Manhunter for fifty cents a piece at a shop. So I grabbed those this week as well. I was like, even if the story's mm-hmm. not good, which it's John wow. Ostrander, it's gonna be good, but. You got Tom Mandrake art for fi- a buck fifty, and I got three more issues of Tom Mandrake art. I was so mm-hmm. ecstatic. So it's been an amazing pickup week for me. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty yeah. pretty awesome. ecstatic. So that's red, a, yeah, that's a yep, I, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited with my pickup this pickups this week. So I have a local comic book store that is going out of business, and the owner has decided you know to bring everything out of storage and just to put everything in a store, you know, put everything for, you know, all titles, $10 or less or 50% off above $10 or wow. 25% off. And, you know, the store closes, uh, was it o- October 14th? I think it is. And after that, he'll be at the comic con to blow everything out. So I go in there, you know, looking to fill holes in my image collection. And, you know, I had basically two series in mind that I'm going to look for. You know, and one is trees and the other one being morning glories. And luckily enough, I was able to find um, almost every issue of trees. I'm short four issues, but they had a number one there, which I got for 50 percent off of the cover price. And morning glories, I picked up. I want to say I'm now short like 10 issues, but that's like and that that series is what well, I think like on issue 48 or something like that. It, 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 I mean, it, it, I can't remember how many issues it had total. But uh, that's one series of like, okay, I will need to get all this. But, you know, from through the, the boxes they brought out of storage, I found a Thief of Thieves, issue number one, first printing. And so, you know, I went ahead and I just kind of slid that in my stack and I got it for 50% off of cover price. 
And for those of you that are not aware of, that issue sells for um, anywhere from $50 to $85 on eBay. Oh, wow. <laughs> just like, yeah, so I'm like, wow, I'm happy. <clears throat> so I ended up getting a lot of holes, finished up a couple series here and there. And I'm just really excited to try to find those last couple issues of Trees because I really want to start that series. You know, it's been picked up for TV show and everything. And I've heard about it. I know about it. I just haven't gotten around to getting getting it uh, put built. But I'm almost there. Can't wait to start it. Uh, but mostly this week, I've been spending a lot of time just kind of getting everything that I have kind of cataloged and organized and put together and everything. I read a few things. You know, like I said earlier, I'm never going to get caught up to everything that I have, it feels like. But I got to myself to a comfortable spot where I'm actually, believe it or not, guys, I'm taking a break from Image. Oh. Uh, well, yes. Well, yes. I am going to take a small little breather. And I am brought out of the attic all of my short boxes of Star Wars, you know, from 1977 to current. And I do have everything, um, all the different miniseries and things like that. And I'm actually going to sit down and start reading all Star Wars. He's prepping and for free- Rogue One. Exactly. <laughs> I am prepping. I am getting ready. Not just for myself, but for you listeners out there. Because as I go through every series and all these issues, I'm going to be putting together some nice, really nice comprehensive uh, videos on YouTube um, about all the Marvel stars canon. So when Rogue One comes out, both you and I will be prepared. Very nice. See, very nice. how do you how do you not prepare for something and and think of Batman? <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> you got to think this is what Batman would do. I'm being Batman right now. If Batman was getting ready for Rogue One, this is what he'd be doing. Well, you might be right about that. All right. So, yes, so, yeah, prepared. So all you listeners out there, get prepared for a nice whole bunch of different series of uh, Marvel Star Wars stuff because I am taking an image break at the moment. Uh, Now, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, before I forget, I did want to throw out there, um, I don't know if he listens to the show or not, but if he does, uh, a big thank you to Mr. Ken Marcus, uh, writer, creator of Superhuman Resources. As everyone knows, I'm a ginormous fan of that. Um, He actually sent me an email this last week and uh, wanted to thank me for, you know, reviewing his his book and whatnot and being a huge supporter of it. Uh, So he's going to be sending me, um, I guess, a signed trade um, when it comes out, which I thought was cool. I have all the single issues, but I'll take a signed trade. And uh, then he also said, you know, on top of that, they wanted to do something pretty cool for me. So he asked me who my favorite... Uh, character was from Superhuman Resources, which there's way too many to choose from. So I was like, let's just go with the Devastator because I do love the Devastator. Um, and he said that they're gonna send me like a sketch of my favorite character. So they're gonna be sending me a sketch as well with the trade um, of the Devastator. So I thought that yes. was really really cool. Totally mm-hmm. totally made my week. I was so giddy when I got that email. I was actually eating with my family and. Uh, that email comes across, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> I got like, super <laughs> excited and told my wife about it. And So, yeah, so thank you, Ken. Uh, you're amazing. And if you guys haven't read it yet, go out and check. Uh, issue 4 is already out, so now you got all four issues of Volume 2, and then you can get the trade, or if you're lucky like Red was, get all four issues <laughs> um, single-handedly. Um, but if not, get the trade of Volume 1. You get all four issues of Volume 2. It's such a funny, funny book. 
So, again, thank you, and uh, yeah, go check it out. Yeah, and on top of that, really, if you write a comic uh, book and you like us to review it and look it over, send it to us. Yeah, we've had some amazing books come our way these last mm-hmm. six months. So yes. Now, um, it was interesting. I don't, I don't usually go on Facebook. When I do go on Facebook, it's because uh, Matthew McPherson has tagged me in a video. <laughs> And I know, was, Mr. McPherson. He just it he was does such that. a great surprise. It was the freaking Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe teaser trailer. I thought you were so that. jazzed. I was like, this is. I, I never go on Facebook. What are the chances? Yeah. Um, so there is a trailer now. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is a glorious day because they pretty much said, screw it. We're going to put all the characters in it. We don't even care. And um, I'm very excited. It's got sort of like a, it's got like a little cheesiness feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the bat in the sun feel, which I mean, people seem to love because those videos get millions. And we all know how hard it is to get like a thousand views on a YouTube video. Yeah. These suckers are pulling in millions. So um, I'm very excited. Uh, it was awesome. Did you see the bloodshot was... trailer as well? Oh my god! Yes, I did. Well, I saw. Is there like an official trailer you can watch on YouTube? I saw the the trailer they showed at the the panel. No, that's the only trailer I saw too. I just okay, saw somebody's recording little, of it um, at the panel. It was just like so. a huge fight scene of him just like correct regenerating and taking destroying. down a bunch of guys. But yeah, mm-hmm. they've got like they just went all in and just put pretty much most of the the, the Unity team in this Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe. Um, is, I, I'm I'm a little confused. Is this gonna be this is gonna be their first movie, or is this like a little series they're doing? I thought I they know. said it was gonna be like some type of a series. They almost made it sound like, like an stuff online like a web series. Yeah, kind of like yeah, Mortal yeah. Kombat was a few something years back. to sort of prep you, prep you for the yeah. for the upcoming. Dinesh years. said that when they do this, they're going all in. Like they're oh, yeah. they're mm-hmm. not playing around, which is why I think they said is why it's taken them so long to get to this point. Uh, because yep. they wanted to make sure that when they did it, they they went all in, and so they've secretly been working on stuff for a while. But yeah, yeah. well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah, I did. Now I'm um, I'm gonna have a greater purpose to read this '90s Exo Manowar omnibus. <laughs> yeah, very excited about that. Um, other news: we had a Power Rangers trailer. Did we? Yeah, and I know Tap, you're you're a big. Uh, you've been reading the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I have. Rangers. I enjoy it a lot. It's very nostalgic, very well written, and Steve Orlando's like stories, like in the back, he has like the like little like extra four page stories with Bulk and Skull. Yeah. Uh, those have been a lot of fun as well. So, um, no, it's it's a fun, fun, fun read, especially if you were a fan of the Power Rangers. You grew up watching the Power Rangers. It has the exact, I mean, to the T, the exact same feel to it, the way they talk, everything. And the art's phenomenal. Um, no, you, don't go ahead. Oh, yeah, but this Power Rangers, the the trailer that we got, um, it's not the Power Rangers that we grew up with. Now, in my opinion, that's not a bad thing. I think the movie's going to do well. I think I'm looking forward to it. I'm probably going to enjoy the hell out of it. But it's don't go into it thinking you're going to see... JDF and Kimberly and they're you know it, that's not 
That's not how. That's it why is. you go to see Bloodshot, man. Exactly. You got, yeah. You got JDF the in Ranger, there. He grew up and he's yeah. He's now he's killing he's stabbed people. in the cheek. <laughs> he's getting. <laughs> he's using his hand to, or he's like risking his arm to set off a grenade and kill some guy just yeah. to regenerate. So exactly. that reminds me, I need to go back and read that Bloodshot. Uh, you do that yeah. hardcover that I bought a couple weeks ago. I haven't read it yet, so yeah, I've been reading a lot also, of Goon and Sandman and Spider Man. Should also catch up on Current Valiant because it's awesome. And lastly, I just wanted to bring up real quick. Um, the Iron Fist teaser trailer mm. looked really good. I'm it, very excited for that. Yeah, the the teaser looked way better than the initial. Um, they did like a like a little like initial like 30 second thing, and I was like, eh, whatever. But now that they have like the official teaser out there and stuff, it looks so much better. It's action packed yeah. too. Yeah, he's uh punching doors down and doing his Iron Fist thing with the beard and all. Um. It'll be interesting to see what kind of costume they give him. I'm uh, sure it'll be like Daredevil at the end of the season. Yeah, unfortunately. Wonder if they'll go with the white and gold or the classic green and green and gold. Uh, I don't know. It'll be see interesting to see. see what they had a they had a thing where a panel at New York Comic Con where they had uh, all four of the Defenders on stage for the first time ever together. Yes. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, you got Punisher in the works. It is a good time to be a comic. A, book I mean, fan. the Netflix shows are solid. Uh, yeah. Being a superhero fan, I don't know. The movies are kind of losing their momentum with me. But I think the shows have just—they've—they've they've added a new edge, especially the Netflix ones, to yes. uh, the superhero cinematic uh, genre. I guess you could say. Yeah, I'm very, very excited for Doctor Strange, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that one's gonna be good. There's yeah. a new trailer for that out as well. I have yet to see it, but there is a new Doctor Strange trailer out as well. I think uh, I typically this is my sort of rule of thumb. After two trailers, I sort of just say I'm gonna wait for the movie at this point. <laughs> um, it's probably just because I wanna I don't wanna thing. see too much. Um, yeah, I could I could go off topic all. I mean, New York Comic Con is great for trailers. You, I could go off topic all day talking about John Wick two stuff like that. Uh, that's another trailer I've yet to see. It's really, oh God, man, okay. Keanu Reeves. He's gonna be the new Liam Neeson. Okay, he will okay, be. okay. That's what, okay. <laughs> let me let me let me ask. Now, were you a Keanu Reeves fan? I like him as to Neo. John Wick. Yeah. Okay, so I like yeah. the Matrix. I know Kung um, Fu. <laughs> speed. I loved him. In, speed is where I really started falling in love with um, I was a big I Bill don't... and Ted fan. Not going to lie. Oh, yeah. no, <laughs> I mean, who didn't like Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, Bill and Ted. Yeah, that was um, great Constantine shows. was all right. But you're, <laughs> you're right, though. John Wick was sort of where I was like, oh, man, Keanu Reeves can be cool. Well, yeah, because after Whoa. that, he did, like, The Lake House, and he did, uh, yeah. you know, some of those romantic was... movies or romantic comedies and stuff. He hadn't done anything He did 47 Ronin as well, which wasn't I, very good. No, it wasn't very good. I watched it. I was um, all excited. And... Yeah, it wasn't very good. But, I mean, this, you know, John Wick, he wasn't, like, the most, you know, it wasn't, like, acting prowess 101, but it was still just him being a badass. A badass. Mm-hmm. It's like Liam cool. Neeson and Jason Statham had a baby. It's like the thing <laughs> is, like I can watch. I know Liam Neeson's 
so old, but you see him and you can tell the ca- the cameramen are just having like the hardest time getting these quick cuts and just making this old man who I'm sure if he watched a single take of him fighting these guys in Taken or whatever, it would just be like the weirdest and oddest fight you've ever seen in your life. But these quick cuts and stuff make it look like he's this actual super badass. Um, that's what I like about John Wick. It's not like that. It's uh, It's got these nice little... Uh, one-shot scenes where he just goes down a, a tunnel and just is kicking mm-hmm. ass, taking names. Well, and the story yeah. for John Wick too, I think, was rather surprising because when it first came out, yeah. I, I know I initially paid no attention to it. Uh, I could care less. I was like, ah, eh, whatever. And then it just happened <laughs> to be one of those dog. things. Yeah, it just happened to be one of those things where... And it made it was like wow yeah that took him over. I think actually I just had my my uh, wisdom teeth out and I was bored and so that one came on and I was like oh, I'll watch it out of pure boredom. I already watched Daredevil season one so now I'll watch this mm-hmm. and I did and I was blown away and I was like oh my god this movie's really good like yeah, yeah. I'm impressed definitely took me by surprise. But now the problem is is that before we weren't we had no expectations That's and true. now we have. Expectations, you gotta watch whether the trailer, it be higher, man. Whether it be high or low, we now have expectations. So. The the end of the trailer had me smiling. Oh, um, really? You'll find out why when you watch it. It really had me smiling. Uh, but I anyway, feel like I, 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 feel like I gotta this. watch this. Yeah, you know, I'm you, intrigued. You can watch it after. It's only a minute and that, a half. That or you uh, talk for the next minute and a half solo, and me and Red will... Uh... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> All right, folks, it's open mic night, and this is Nova bringing right, what am you... I t- what am I typing in here again? Shit. <laughs> uh, John Wick. It's, it's yeah, all of a sudden. Chapter two, okay. John Wick chapter two trailer. Um, but then if I'm talking, you guys can't... You know, you can't hear what's going on. You don't know what's happening in the actual trailer. That's true. So we can do this cool thing, I guess, where we pause a recording. Ooh, yeah, we technology today does allow that. Yes. Okay. There is uh, there are PVRs and. All right, I'm pausing now. All right, um, the time warp. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we got. Let's say, speaking of time warps, October 20th, Rocky Horror Picture Show remake. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we just watched that trailer. Um, Tap, go ahead and go first. Uh, no, it looks awesome. Any expectations that I had have been uh, – have been that trailer soothed any worries that I had and confirmed that I think it's going to be badass. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely see what Nova got excited about at the end. That was yep. – uh, I thought the exact same thing I think Nova thought. So that was awesome. See, yeah, at first, it, he kind of sounded like Samuel L. Jackson. A little bit. I was like, bit. is that Sam Jackson? And I was like, no. And then they show him. And you go, oh, we, snap. Yeah. Um, so, going to be very exciting to see Neo and Morpheus on the screen. Uh, yeah. I'm not breaking the laws <laughs> of physics this time. Well, maybe. We don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I know. But, I mean, oh, so you know, I'm watching the trailer, and you know, for those of you that know me, you know, I lived in Italy for six years, and so you start off that trailer with him in Italy, and it's like, okay, I know exactly where he's standing, and then you get to that part with the disco club. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, there's all the, the the lights and everything going off inside of a, yeah. a castle. Well, that actually is Castle uh, Capuano. 
been in there, and I giggled when I saw it because um, the first time I went to that castle, it was for an Italian Comic-Con. Really? <laughs> yes. The whole Comic-Con's inside that castle, right nice. there where that uh, scene was with the, uh, the, the, the disco thing going on. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. I've been to a Comic-Con in there. <laughs> so what awesome. Red is really telling us, he was the original John Wick. <laughs> at a comic con though <laughs> yeah at a comic well the, and the second time i was there it was for the um oh my gosh Chapter the, uh, two, Gl- John Wick. <laughs> yeah no, no actually i took my wife when we we're dating i took her there to a um glenn miller alumni orchestra reunion so they do all sorts of activities there but anyways yeah that's besides the point but oh my god it was a great trailer i loved it yeah that was uh yeah action packed for sick. sure now, I mean, sorry, we're talking about trailers a lot, but Tap, please tell me you saw the Justice League Dark trailer. No, oh, I have. Seen... <laughs> He'll be like, "No, f you, you called me dead." <laughs> I I have seen a Justice League Dark trailer uh, previously, and yes, it was really good. I'm extremely excited that they got Matt Ryan to do the voice of Constantine. That uh, that made me giddy, and I think it's out now on Blu-ray too. The uh, the Constantine uh, entire complete series on Blu-ray. That's uh, a sad thing to say. Yeah, the complete series instead of season one. Uh, but I think there's some added... I heard there's some like added bonus stuff, though, that's supposed to be pretty cool. So I actually wanted to pick that up. Maybe I'll get it for Christmas or something. Ooh, added bonus stuff. Mm. Yeah, that thing's like behind-the-scenes interviews. Though. And I love Matt you... Ryan. Oh. So... I thought you meant like a trench coat. Behind the yeah, like the Constantine stuff. trench coat and like uh, the uh, like a pack of the cigarettes he smokes. Yeah, I, don't, Actually, I, I have don't... I have I have a trench coat. Believe it or not, <laughs> Just I like do it. not want the Constantine trench coat. Whoa, um, dude! Next thing you're gonna tell me you don't want the swamp thing moss? No, dude, that doesn't I, make sense, d- dude. Constantine's trench coat's like haunted by demons and shit. Like, no, I don't. Well, want I guess that. so. I didn't literally <laughs> mean like you're gonna be part. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that either. Man. I will take some Swamp Thing moss, though. That, that yeah. I want to be part of the green. Exactly. Go green. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, my gosh. So. Um, so, guys, I've I've got to say I've been, um, I've been pretty bored this past week. <gasps> I just feel like I'm reading the same thing over and over. I pick up a book, I buy it on Amazon, knowing full well what's coming in the mail. I just wish there was some way I could be surprised with the comics that come to me yeah, every well, month. I have a solution for you. Do tell, good sir. It is called Comic Bento. I don't believe you. It's true. <laughs> it is tell true. us more. Tell us more. For $20 a month plus shipping, even cheaper if you like order multiple months at once, or better yet, if you're only going to try it out for one month, follow the link below on this podcast, and you're going to get 15% off your first month as well. 50? 15. One five. 50? Okay. Not five, but one five. <laughs> it was a bit that didn't really work 15% that well. 15% <laughs> off. However, you are going to get uh, random comics every month. You absolutely have no idea. It is a blind box service. I got my comics here about a week ago. I've done a trailer of it. Uh, not a trailer, an unveiling of it. It's up on YouTube. You can go check it out there. Uh, they gave me a bunch of 
different stuff actually. This month the theme, and each month is a theme like they all do, and this one was as seen on TV. So I got the blacklist, garbage pail kids, uh can't even remember what time I know the Marvel Agents of Shield, but it's a little bit different because it actually takes place in a different universe so they can interact with Spider-Man and that kind of stuff. Um, and then, oh, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty was the other one that I got. Um, and then they also have a monthly mega comic bento winner where you get extra books. And uh, the extra books, honestly, were the ones I was hoping I'd get. Because <laughs> it was uh, Howard the Duck, Supergirl, uh I can't even remember what else Buffy? now. Buffy, yeah, Buffy, and then there was one other, and they were all just look. Was it Serenity? Re- no, it was not Serenity. Angel? No, it wasn't anything that tied into Joss Whedon. Oh. Um, but no, they all were all amazing. So you know, and one lucky winner gets that every month as well. But you're guaranteed at least fifty dollars in uh, trade paperbacks every single month for twenty dollars or less. So hit up the link below, check us out, watch my unveiling video, and be surprised every month. It's sort of like putting your finger in a hole in the wall and wondering who will pull it on the other end. One person will have Patrick Stewart, and the other person will have Tap. Who puts their finger Um, in the wall? And I'm not pulling nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you could, I don't know. You guys have never done that? Just see. Um, Must be a Canadian thing. Yeah, sometimes you'll find like a little uh, bug in there and he'll be your new companion. Mm. Or sometimes you'll find Comic Bento. Follow the link below in the description. See, you know what? What could be more exciting than, you know, getting brand new comics surprising you in the mail? But, you know, you know how you have that favorite coffee mug that you have in the morning? You're just like, you can't have coffee unless it's in that particular mug. Yeah. You know, it was kind of nice if you had, like, a shirt that you would wear every time you read comics, a comfortable shirt, that look kind of like you have your smoking jacket, but just your comic shirt that you put on, say, I'm going to sit back, read my comic bandito uh, stuff that I got in the mail. I mean, the only question is, is where can you get a shirt that you can read, have, wear every time you read a comic? Red, where can you get your favorite shirt? Well, I'll tell you where you can get your favorite shirt. You can go email us, tweet us. Uh, subscribe to us. Leave us a voicemail on Google letting us know how to get a hold of you. And you can order a Four Guys and a Comic t-shirt. These are very well-made shirts. Heavy quality. Hanes. Tagless. Shirts. Heavy. Quality. Awesome. And those are all hashtags, by the way. And you can get them in three different styles currently. Uh, you can get them in uh, the, the classic logo with the four sil- colored silhouettes. You can get it in the newer logo in black or white. Or actually, you know what? If you want a different color altogether, just let us know and we'll make it happen. Rusty's got a yellow one and a purple one for Pete's sake. So you want whatever color, hook us up or let us know. We'll hook you up. Now, we've actually got a a customer (coughs) referral. This is uh, Dwayne. Sorry, I'm going to butcher this last name. Horwitz out of of, uh, Nashua. And this is what he had to say about his four guys in a comic shirt. I love it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Straight the, out of the, the mouths of, of a prepubescent child. And I'll tell you what right now, too. You're not going to find better prices on t-shirts, period. Because with us, it's a no. $20 flat rate. That includes shipping, okay? Yes. Normally, you're paying $20-plus just for the shirt 
plus shipping. Ours is $20 flat yep. rate shipping. Like I said, it's an awesome quality. Uh, it's the Hanes Tagless Thick Tees. They're they're amazing. I wear mine. I have a couple of them, and I wear them all the time. So, And you do know, instead of a shirt, you can also get a hat. Yes, hats are a little bit more expensive, though. I but think it's well worth it. It is. It's well because the hat's actually embroidered. Um, it's not like a. It's not like a. What's the word I'm looking for? Screen printed. It's not screen printed. Mm-hmm. It's embroidered. It's actually stitched in. Um, I want to say the hats are probably around thirty bucks with shipping. Uh, so they are a little bit more, but it, they're a fitted hat. It's not like the, uh, you know, the snapbacks. It is a fitted hat. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah. If you are interested in a hat, by all means, let us know, and we can make that happen as well. But it is Stitch, so. Now, and if you don't up, know what it looks like. something about calling Google. Yes. So for for those of you out there, we have our hotline. That's going to be uh, 682-422-6642, or simply remember, 682-4-A-COMIC. I kept waiting Give for Red to go into a spiel. Go into your jingle. 682 for a comic. 682 for a comic. 682 for a comic. What's that again, guys? 682 for a comic. Every time every time Red sings it, I just keep imagining him in the banana hammock camouflage thong, like dancing around. Yeah. That's a roll. That's a roll. Now, um, quick question because I was thinking about this for the past couple of weeks, and it's been a tough decision to to, to settle with, really. Take the red pill. Um, no. Uh, so, <laughs> um, favorite, and I'll, I'll start it off just because I want to. Uh, favorite issue, or that sort of, it's hard to say. Favorite issue slash um, fight scene in a comic book, just off the top of your head. Top my head, okay. Mine, I'll just, I'll just say mine quick, give you guys a couple seconds. Um, mine would be 2014 Moon Knight series issue number five. Tap, I don't, I'm sure you'll remember this. It's the issue where Moon Knight basically walks into this abandoned condo, sort of. And there's like a girl trapped in a room on like the fifth floor or something. And he's just going up every floor and beating the crap out of people on the way up. It was awesome. Um, that was a tough choice to make, but that's the one I'm going to end up going with. Uh, it was great. Yeah. Now, Red, you seemed excited. You seemed to know what you had, a, which one won your heart over. Oh, just putting, I'm, I'm having a heck of a time all of a sudden coming up with the issue number of Invincible, where you have Battle Beast and, you know, fighting, um, uh, oh, that was good. <laughs> I'm so excited, I can't, I can't even think, you know what I'm talking about. Guys, the world is ending. Red can't name an invincible character. You got me all in, all Twitter The Illuminati is real. Santa Claus is real. Nothing you know is real. This oh is the Matrix. Red doesn't remember. You see, you just you put me on the spot. General? You got me all excited. General, is it the general you're thinking of? Yes, yes, yes. You know the scene I'm talking about, Roy. Ryan Oddley's just amazing artwork, just guts hanging out, Blood, brains yes, exploding. It's just like, oh, that fight scene was just like awesome. Hmm. I like it. <sighs> You're thinking of General Thrag. Thrag, yes, Thrag. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna kick my own That's ass. Right. <laughs> 
I don't know. I'm having a hard time coming up with one because there's just so many things that I've read that I can tell you right now I'm not going to remember an issue, like the yeah. issue number or anything like that. Um, and you guys took some really good ones. Uh, it's so hard. I was thinking about it. It's so hard to find an issue because that Moon Knight issue was straight up the 95% of it was fighting. It was just him going floor to floor, room to room, beating people up. And it's so rare to come across a comic like that, I've realized, where you tell a story and this was one issue um, and just have you know, your artist go crazy drawing his favorite kung fu and karate All right, so for me, the one actually, now that I think about it, the one that actually does stick out in my mind uh, that had a big influence on me as a kid that I just, I absolutely loved was the Batman-Spawn crossover where Spawn and Batman go at it and Batman ends up taking the battering and throwing it at Spawn's face and splitting him down the middle. And that's the reason why his face is now stitched up with the shoelace from then on. It's because Batman threw a battering at his face. Um, And it was gory and dripping with, like, green blood stuff. So, yeah, no, that one, uh, that whole book was awesome. Um, So that's probably going to have to be my pick, I guess. That one one did stick with me as a kid. But more recently, I really liked the, uh, well, I don't remember the issue number, the Aquaman, where Aquaman and Mera were fighting Superman. Oh, that's right. Oh, that was such a fun issue. That was a did you ever fun one. did you have you, did you ever read um, Throne of Atlantis, that crossover? Uh, New Fifty Two, right? Yeah. Yes, I did. That had some cool fights in it as well. Yes, um, sir. Yeah. Woman. Uh, another one that came to my mind. I mentioned this on a previous podcast. Was Lazarus? I think number fifteen. I may be wrong though. Where it was, um, uh, Forever Carlisle fighting with another family member, uh, Lazarus, and it was like. 20 pages of just Michael Lark drawing swordplay and it was just insane you could hear the music in your head playing and you could just visualize it as this epic cinematic fight um, It was it's really something to experience I mean, you know another one that really sticks out is you know how can we forget about uh, the death of Superman the, and that the, I mean the yeah, fight that scene was... that lasted you know all those issues that was just really intense that was wild it really was, and it did that, you know, even to the final issue of it with his cape as, on the stick as, a, like, it's a flag with the dead body being held by Lois. That was just like, yeah. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Now, I've got, I've got a bit of an odd question for you guys. Um, how do you sort of read your... It's a, it's a really weird question, because I'm going to say, how do you read your comic? And I'll, I'll explain a little bit. Me, myself... Right to left? Well, no, I mean... So, <laughs> Me, personally, I like to give, obviously, I'm sure we all like to give our characters voices in our heads, but yes. I like to sort of visualize, what if this was moving as a, you know, like a little animated series, you know, panel to panel, I sort of fill in the blanks in between. Um, I don't know if you guys do the same, or do you just sort of take each panel as it is? I've, I just take each panel as it is, but I do have voices. Okay. Yeah, I, I do have voices. I will go panel by panel, but I do find myself lately... Um, after a, I, I finish a page, I kind of go through the page at the art to see if there's anything in the storytelling that I may have missed within the art. Because the reason I can't do panel to panel is because I can't visualize someone jumping through the air and saying a whole speech bubble. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I sort of like 
I kind of make up my own little transitions in between. Um, just a little, I think it's a pretty cool thing I do. Uh, just to stroke my own ego a little bit. I think it's kind of cool. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I always just wondered if people, I mean, we all do our voices. You know, everyone's got their Mark Hamill Joker, Kevin Conroy Batman, um, whoever you do, whichever whichever James Bond you do for the James Bond uh, comic. Sean Connery, of course. Yeah, just wondering a little bit. Do you guys ever... When you're sort of thinking of a character that wasn't in an animated series or a movie, do you sort of say, all right, like, especially image books, do you sort of say, all right, well, I've got to make my cast first. Uh, I'm going to put this actress or actor in the role of such and such. Or do you sort of just make up the voices as you, um, like, make up your own little voices? I make up my own. The cast is all tapped. Yeah. Yep. It it depends. Sometimes when you read a story, some particular character will kind of resemble somebody that you either know or remind you of in a movie or TV show. And all of a sudden they get that voice to me. All right. Last question. I swear guys. Um, did Humberto Ramos's artwork ruin Chambers number one for either of you? I Tap, didn't did even, you give it a shot? I didn't even read it because I didn't like his art and, uh, and extraordinary X-Men. Yeah, I, I got through uh, half of page one and I stopped. And I haven't heard yeah. anything good about the book either that makes me yeah. want to read it, so I'm tapping out until I hear otherwise. Whoa, tapping out, that's the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I should, oh, that's not a bad idea for a new YouTube segment. <laughs> there you tap go. Tap. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm spent. I guess we've got a... We've got someone cool to call. Yes, we do. Yeah, actually, we do. Why don't we pick up the phone and give him a ring? Welcome, everyone. This is Red from Four Guys in a Comic. Let's all welcome an indie artist whose interests not only lie in lacrosse, midget wrangling, and the occasional street fight but a guy who we all know and love for his titles like Tomb Raider, Witchblade, Poseidon 9, and The Tithe. Let's all welcome Philip Sevy. Philip, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going. How are you? Going great. I'm doing good. I mean, I'm recovering from my lacrosse and midget wrestling for the weekend. <laughs> I can imagine you are. So i got to ask about that. I saw that on your homepage. I'm like, okay, there's got to be some stories about this. You know, it's, I don't even know which homepage. Was it my Skype homepage or, or what? Uh, the Art of Philip Sevy homepage. Oh, good night. I don't even know. Like I, <laughs> I probably wrote that years ago. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever random stuff comes into my head, I hate having to talk about myself on websites. So it's, I just make everything up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was very cool to read, though. <laughs> oh, good. Well, for those of you that haven't been reading your sites and not too familiar with what you do besides uh, lacrosse and midget wrangling, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, sure, yeah. I'm a comic book artist. Um, I live in the west region of the country. I'm in Utah. Uh, I'm currently drawing the Tomb Raider ongoing title from Dark Horse. Um, and then I did a bunch of work for Top Cow last year on books like uh, The Tithe, uh, Poseidon 9, Athena 9, uh, things like that. Then uh, I guess you could say last year was the year I really kind of broke into the industry, though I'd done 
couple little things in a mini series or two before that. But I think within the last year, I, I have legit consistent books on the shelf where you can actually see my name every week, which is kind of cool for me. I, probably not for anyone else, but. No, that is cool. I know uh, we've had um, Matt Hawkins on the show a few times. and oh, awesome. Uh, yes, and he's had, he's had a few nice words about you here and there. <laughs> well, it's good. I mean, if you can get nice words from the Hawk, I am I'm, uh, I consider it a big, wor- big win. He's a great dude. He is. Um, he's really smart. <laughs> Interesting guy, isn't he? Yeah, he is. It's, it's fascinating to talk to him. And then I, I love just getting him on Top Cow stories. I've been a Top Cow fan for going on 20 years now. So to get him to talk about the days when I was just a reader before I was even like, I'm going to do comics. It's it, to me, it's a treasure trove of comics history and it's hilarious. That is cool. Now you, you started that uh, in mid uh, story. I think that was with issue five, if memory serves correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Matt and Rasan created the tithe and originally it was a four issue mini, um, but sales and uh, critical reviews were good enough. They decided to continue the story. Yay. But Rashawn, yeah. Rashawn was working on Think Tank, the new volume at the time. Um, so they wanted to bring another artist in to keep this series ongoing. And I'd done a couple things for Top Cow at that point. And uh, Ryan Katie who was the editor at the time, kept throwing my name out there. Um, and I owe everything to Ryan because of that. And they decided to to bring me on. And I worked with Rashawn um, doing, he did layouts for most of the series. And then I did pencils and inks over the top of that. And we got to kind of keep going. But it was a nice enough, I think, tonal change that it, 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 it felt like it didn't feel too interrupted to bring on a new artist because the story shifted kind of from a Robin Hood esque tale to a little bit more real world political. I mean, a religious uh, thriller in that second arc. Yes, and there was a shift in everything in the story and in the art, and it really mm-hmm. didn't uh, jump so much that it was overly noticeable. But mm-hmm. uh, it, was, it was enjoyable. I I, ha, I, ha, I own all the issues and I, all the variant covers. I really enjoy, have enjoyed it, and I can't wait to see some more work. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited uh, to see what they do next. I've talked with Matt a little bit about what his plans are, and I'm you know they've got Eden's Fall, the crossover yes. starting here. Is it next week? I don't know. It's really soon. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is coming up real really soon. Yeah, that was a book I wish I had the time in my schedule that I could have been a part of it, but Atilio Rojo who um, pencil inked and colored the book is phenomenal. So it'll look, it'll look fantastic, but it's got some, some great characters beyond, beyond working on the tithe. I'm a huge fan of postal postals. One of the best books yes. on the shelf. Yes. The yes. Oh, we all so agree. Good. Oh, so good. I, every time I get the opportunity, I tell people like you have to, I read this book. It's phenomenal. Yeah. We had, a, what was it, uh, Brian, Brian Hill. Yeah, we had Brian Hill. Yeah, oh, Brian. Too long yeah. Ago. love Brian. Yes. He's a nice he guy. Was, he was great. And yeah, Postal, I'm, I'm with you. It, I I think there was like a 10 or 11 issues out before I finally ever even picked up Postal. Um, and as uh-huh. soon as I did, I just binge read it like all in one day. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And now I'm like a huge <laughs> Postal fan. I was kind of mad at myself. It is so good, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's real good. So what is your background? Like, give us a little bit of history in the world of Philip Sevy. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, how long do you have? <laughs> as long as you got. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll save the longer story from when I'm a much more interesting person. But um, I, uh, I have read comics since I was a kid. My earliest memories all involve superheroes. Um, and around nine years old, I picked up X-Men number one from Jim Lee and Chris Claremont. And I was like, I want to go there. Like, this is what I want to do. 
Uh, so I spent, you know, years just drawing for fun as a kid. I think when I was, it was, I was 15 years old was the first year I put together a portfolio and took it to San Diego Comic-Con and started showing it around and got rightfully trashed because it was terrible. But what can you expect from a 15-year-old who's not <laughs> Joe Manorera or J. Scott Campbell? Um, so I showed my portfolio around for years and it didn't really get anywhere. I took a couple years away from comics when I mistakenly thought I should get like an adult job and something like that. I worked in finance, uh, for a while. And then I, I realized that was a really terrible mistake cause I hated it. So I, I got back into comics. I did a web comic for a year and a half called heartless dark. You can't find it anymore. Cause I ceremoniously took it off the internet cause it's, I loved the book, but it's I don't I didn't want people googling my name and finding that as an example of my work years <laughs> down the road. I'd never get any work. Um, after after I wrapped up my web comic, I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design in Georgia, and I got a, a Master's of Fine Arts in Sequential Art because I needed a lot more training than I had. And um, yeah, after that, I, uh, I moved back west as, um, and. Uh, just just started working at the, the freelance game, doing samples. I did creator-owned pitches. I did, I mean, anything you can do, I try. I was trying. Like, there wasn't just, like, one focused effort to break into comics. It was like, you know, can I get, how about anthology stories? How about creator-owned books? How about web comics? How about any way that I could possibly break in? I was trying. And that took a handful of years. And I think the big the big break that really came is I entered the Top Cow Talent Hunt at the end of 2013. And uh, when they announced the winners and runners-up eh, the following spring, at that point I had totally forgotten that I'd even entered because, like mm. I said, I was doing all sorts of different things. Um, and I was one of the runner-ups. That was the year they had – how many did they have? Four winners, I think, um, And as far as artists and writers, and then like 15 runner-ups, uh, which was crazy. I, it was great for us who all won and got runner-up, but I know it was – really hard on top cow to mm-hmm. not only sift i think there was 800 entries that year but then Oof. to have you know essentially 20 artists and 20 writers to staff on short stories and one shots and then to mo- almost all of us were brand new so how do you you know have to not only get us short stories and make sure they work but make sure all of us are, are working up to snuff um and yeah so i i, I placed in there i met ryan katie again uh, the editor from top cow i mentioned that summer because there were 15 artist runner-ups and only 14 writer runner-ups. So uh, Matt Hawkins told Ryan that he could write the, sh- uh, the short story for the, uh, the one artist out and he could pick whoever he wanted. So thankfully he picked me, uh, which was great because uh, Ryan and I met and we instantly became good friends. We hung out at San Diego Comic-Con that year. He wrote the short story. It was a Magdalena short story that ended up in the backup of Witch- uh, Witchblade issue. Um, so 15 year old me was like losing his mind that one of my first big works was for top cow. It was Magdalena and it was published in an issue issue of Witchblade, were like Trinity figures for me, um, years back. Uh, and after that, uh, a couple months later, they did a series of one shots in the uh, ninth generation universe. And, uh, Ryan got to write the first one and got to pick his creative team. So he called me up. We were working on a creator owned pitch, um, that we put together and, it's kind of on the back burner for both of us, but it's something we do really want to get into. It's a sci-fi and war that it'll come to, to light one day. But um, we did that was Athena 9, and they had three other one-shots, and they were all pretty much worked on by people who are talent hunt winners or runners-up, people like um, Ashley Victoria Robinson and Teeny Howard and Dan Wickline. 
were some of the writers who were working on the other one shots. And by the time I finished Athena Nine, which was going to be the first one, they had artists for the next two, but they didn't have artists for the last one. The last one was Poseidon Nine, and it was written by Teeny Howard, who was one of the winner, the writers, uh, one of the winners of the year I entered. And Ryan sent me the script and it was cyborg merman fighting a kraken. And I was like, please, no matter what happens, get me on this book. This sounds phenomenal. I want to draw this so bad. So Ryan worked his uh, subtle magic and got me Poseidon 9. And then within, I think, a day of getting the email about Poseidon, that's when I got an email about working on the tithe. And, and you know, the rest just kind of goes on from there. I, I was working on the tithe when I got offered Tomb Raider from Dark Horse. So for issues 7 and 8, the last two issues, I was also drawing the first three issues of Tomb Raider at the same time which I don't recommend penciling and inking two books a month. It was, uh, <laughs> there wasn't much sleep that was had for three or four months straight there. By the end, I was kind of stark raving mad. But at the same time, when you're getting to draw such great comics, you, can only, you can't really complain. Uh, it, was, it was so much fun. And then once the tithe wrapped up, then I've just been on Tomb Raider ever since. Very cool. Yeah, that's a long-winded uh, explanation of <laughs> nah. how I got where I'm at. So, are you a <laughs> wake fan everyone of... up now? <laughs> were you a fan of Tomb Raider now prior to the comics? Like, were you a fan of the video game series or anything like that growing up? You know, I played. I, I think it was the first Tomb Raider game back in '96. A friend of mine had a PlayStation yeah. One, yep. and it was you know it was all the rage. So we sat down to play it, and I'm not great at video games. Um, especially old console. It's amazing how much harder, like the older the console or the older the game is, yes. so much harder. Oh my gosh. Like I, I, I got stuck trying to jump onto a ledge that was textured, the same texture as the wall. So you yep. couldn't really see it. <laughs> yep. And I couldn't ever get the controls right. So it was like mm-hmm. a half hour trying to jump to a ledge. And finally I was like, and I'm done. Um, yeah, just, think was, how, just think how it's going to be 20 years from now when you plug in your old Xbox One. <laughs> yeah. Like, this, this is impossible. Um, it's like Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. I was a fan of the Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider comics that Top Cow did, of course, because it's Top Cow, and I loved Mike Turner. And then when Andy Park and Dan Jurgens launched the ongoing, I grabbed the first couple issues and loved it. And so I was always aware and uh, enjoyed the stuff, but I didn't regularly play the video games, in fact, until I got the book. And then when I got the book, I was like, oh, I, I really need to play these new games. And it turns out I had a copy of the 2013 reboot upstairs, but I hadn't had a chance to play it because when you're drawing comics 15 to 17 hours a day, seven days a week, it's hard to fit a video game in. But uh, luckily it gave me a good excuse and I played the 2013 game and that was right around the same time Rise of the Tomb Raider came out. And since our book is a sequel to Rise, they gave me a copy of Rise. So I got to play both of them at about the same time and absolutely loved them. They're such fantastic games and were so much fun to play through. And I would that it, it just increased my excitement for working on the comic to to be part of such a legacy series that's so strong 20 years later. This is the 20th anniversary this year. Oh my gosh, it's been that long. Oh. It has been that long. It makes Whoa. me feel really old. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, at that point, you could sort of tell yourself it's research and you didn't have to feel as guilty playing. Exactly. It's a tax write-off. <laughs> it was the tax right off. I'm like, I just need to get hired to do a Skyrim comic so I don't feel guilty about playing that for the rest of my life. Yes. <laughs> game's amazing, but you can play it forever. <laughs> yep. So you mentioned how, you know, growing up you were into comics and 
stuff. You've always been to comics, I guess, since a young age. Yeah. Is there a comic that you wish that you could work on, like a dream comic? Like whenever you started, you're like, one day I'm going to work on that comic. <laughs> yeah, totally. I I would. I'm a gigantic X Men fan. I've been an X Men fan forever. Um, back before the X Men were even that well known among populations, uh, the first toy I ever got was well, the first two toys I ever got as a two and a half year old was an Iron Man and a Magneto action figure from the Secret War set, the '84 Kenner set. Uh, uh-huh. I think Kenner did it. So, I mean, we called him Magneto because no one said the word Magneto out loud until the uh, Pride of the X-Men television cartoon pilot in 89. And then it was like, oh, I've been saying it wrong. Uh, Yeah, X-Men would be huge. I love Spider-Man and I love Batman. So those are like my trifecta of of cool titles that are are pipe dreams that who knows, maybe someday that would be fun to play with those. I have a random question just following up on that. Are you by any chance, because we've had a weird chain of this, are you a huge Silver Surfer or Adam Warlock fan? I'm <laughs> actually, I'm actually not. I, okay. I don't have anything. Oh. I don't have anything against them, but I don't have anything like I'm connected to them for any particular reason. All right. Well, like Nova said, we just had a, for some reason of our last interviews just this chain of <laughs> writers that have been mentioning that. I've had no complaints. It's okay yeah. with me. Yeah, Rusty's <laughs> all cosmic. He's. I, I love Marvel cosmic. That is uh, Surfer, Thanos, Warlock. Yeah, all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Now you mentioned yeah. uh, you mentioned characters you you dream to like draw. Um, I guess and get paid for. Uh, yeah. Is there a certain writer or writers that? you know, follow the same suit? Oh, that's another great question. And that one constantly kind of changes depending on the work that's coming out. Um, I've been a huge, I mean, in comics today, I think some of the best writers are like Jason Aaron, I think is probably the best writer in comics today because he's not only a phenomenal writer, but he's incredibly versatile. Like I read Scalped from towards the early beginning and Scalped is just brutal and amazing. And then when he went to draw, went to write Wolverine and the X-Men, I was like, this is such a tonal shift. Like, I don't know how he's going to do it. Like kind of a funny book with a bunch of teenage mutants. And it was brilliant. It was so fantastic. Um, and then you know, anything he's done from there is Thor works phenomenal. Uh, so, I mean, he'd be great. I love Scott Snyder. Uh, I mean, even we talked about Brian Hill. I think Brian Hill's a phenomenal writer, and we've we've talked about doing something together at some point when our schedules line up. I think he's in a really exciting new voice, and he has a really strong perspective of the way he approaches things, but he's also really, really smart and um, and fun to talk to and debate things. So I don't know. There's a tons of writers. I think, uh, what's his face? Um, Brian K. Vaughn is brilliant. Yeah, um, I would uh, Jeff Johns's work with classic DC stuff where he just plays with continuity forever. Um, I think is is all of some of my favorites. I don't know. I could I could list a million writers, and there's a lot of fun new writers coming out that I, I'm really enjoying the stuff they're doing. So I I don't know <laughs> anyone. Well, I think one of the things uh-huh. that I would really love to do is um, love to write my own work as well. I would love to get to the point where I'm a writer artist working in mainstream comics because there's not very many uh anymore i mean even at that traditionally there hasn't been a a large amount i think there was more there seemed to be more back in like the 70s and 80s and guys like jim jim starlin and other people but i would love to get to that point so who knows i got plenty of time hopefully so that so philip does that mean you have some stories within you you're dying to tell (laughs) 
<laughs> always, uh, always. He, he wrestles I, midgets, so I'm sure he does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My made-up life story will tell that one. There you go. <laughs> Some cross midget players. <laughs> <laughs> now I need to dig back through all my sites and be like, what did I write where? And hopefully none of it offensive anymore. <laughs> it's like when you grow up loving comedians like Mel Brooks. You, you, oh, God, you, I love Mel Brooks. I know you adopt a sense of humor that's yes. a little bit twisted and can be offensive unless you know the person and know how they're approaching it. So I'm like, oh, no. So you just can't walk up to somebody and say, pardon me while I whip this out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of the funniest movies of all time. It is. <laughs> oh, man. If you're a Mel Brooks fan, you ever seen uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It? Uh, yeah, I want to say I saw that in a movie theater a million years ago. Yeah, it's been a long last, time. That yeah. was his last theatrical movie that was uh, that was released in theaters. I recommend going back and rechecking that one out. It's by to- by far my all time favorite Mel Brooks movie. Okay, yeah, I'll speak- definitely have to check it out. Yeah. And when we're on this topic, one of my uh, favorite movie Russian movies happens to be called The Twelve Chairs, which is the first film that Mel Brooks did. And I've said and I've said it for years that that would make a great comic book series. If huh. somebody can put it down into a, a nice little mini series or something like that, it would go really well because it is wonderful. And like I say, Russia they have two different uh, movie versions. And one television version, if memory serves correctly. Like I say, Mel Brooks redid it. It was his very first film. Check that one out if you're a Mel Brooks fan. And if you're looking at writing and drawing, there you go. There's there's, there's something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. That'd be fun to do. But Mm -hmm. that sounds great. All right. So, Philip, I wanted to to ask you about your uh, art process. Now, based on your Facebook page, it looks like you do a little bit of uh, uh, paperwork and digital work. what is what is the the Philip Sevy way? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say there there was a way. It's it's constantly <laughs> evolving. For I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, it really kind of depends on the project. My top cow work, I did a lot of digital and traditional hybrid, where I would uh, do digital pencils and then ink by hand. Um, and I did that uh, for the first arc of Tomb Raider, but with the second arc, I wanted to change things up. Um, my schedule also adjusted some to where I had less time than I had for the first six issues just to keep the book on schedule. So I, I switched to all digital work. So issues six through 12 of Tomb Raider uh, have been and will be all digital. Uh, and I've, I've really kind of enjoyed the, the things that I've found and the ways I've been able to approach it a little differently. Um, but I, I don't know the next work I do or the next arc of Tomb Raider, kind of how I'll do it differently. I, I love uh, the artist Ryan Stegman, who's currently drawing the, um, the new sp- Spider-Man Renew Your Vows miniseries that Jerry Conway's writing because um, Ryan's an amazing artist and just about every arc pretty much he, he slightly will adjust something whether it's inking style or working digital or traditional or he just it, stylistically he's always um, in a state of evolution it still looks like his work always um, but I, I love the way that he's always pushing and changing the way he does stuff to find newer and better ways and I'd, I'd rather be that kind of artist um than someone who is aesthetically consistent i guess you could say or so it just doesn't evolve or change because um, i think there's some artists who are brilliant and will always be brilliant and always be consistent but i'd rather constantly find different ways to do things um just to keep myself entertained 
Awesome. So for all we know, we may get like a, an issue of Tomb Raider where it's all made out of Lego blocks assembled into nice pictures. <laughs> that would be cool. I mean, I've, I've joked. If you look at if you you guys ever use the app Prisma, it's kind of like the, the photo filter app for artists. Uh, no, not. I'm not familiar with it. No, oh, you should definitely go. You should go download it. It has lots of filters on photos, but it makes them different art styles. I've seen artists using it all over Twitter. There's one um, filter you can put on work that makes it almost look like Alex Mayleave art, like really graphically nice. inked from photo. Yeah. And I really am dying to do like a short comic where I shoot everything with photos and then just use the Prisma filter to make it all look like an Alex Mayleave book um, <laughs> just to just for fun. Uh, yeah, uh, who knows? We'll, we'll constantly keep changing until it's the best it can be. So. Well, that's that, that's good to hear. It's always um, it's always positive when an artist doesn't feel, um, I guess, complacent about their work. Yeah, I mean, if I was the best artist in the industry, I would yeah. probably stop. But uh, yeah, I've got all, <laughs> that's never going to happen. So I'll keep changing until uh, until I'm I'm happy with where it's at. So, Philip, any other new projects uh, coming down the road? Um, yeah, I've got two projects um, that I'm pretty excited about, just that I've been working on outside of Tomb Raider. Um, the first one, um, I'm, uh, yeah, so, sorry, let me back up for a second. The first one is a, a Star Wars anthology fan book that is coming out this December. Uh, Mike Marisi and Tim Daniel, who are fantastic writers, Mike's, Mike and Tim have both done work, work for Boom and Image and Heavy Metal and a bunch of other places. Last year, to celebrate the release of Force Awakens, they got together with a couple other comic artists um, and put together just a little anthology book. It was two or three short stories. It's completely a fan comic. It's not licensed. They didn't sell it. Uh, please don't sue us, Disney. Um, but they they posted it up online, and a ton of people downloaded it. It was a really great book, and I've known Mike for a little over a year, a year and a half now. We become friends, and he asked me at the beginning of the year, "Do you want to do one this year? We're gonna we're gonna do another one." So we are doing an Ahsoka Tano story, which takes place between Clone Wars and Rebels. And uh, she's both one of our favorite Star Wars characters, and we've been working on it a good chunk of this year. It'll just be a, it'll be a 15-page story. There's, I think, at this point, six short stories in the anthology. So it's going to be a fairly hefty book. Mike's writing two, Tim Daniel is writing three, and then Ryan Cady is writing another one. Um, but it, the, the work that we're doing is uh, going to be colored by Dave Barron. Dave's a brilliant, one of the best comic artists in the industry. He's done a ton of stuff for Valiant lately, but he started back with Wildstorm Studios way back in the day. Um, so that'll be out in December. Um, it's called Tales of the Far, Far Away, I believe is what it is. Hmm. Um, so that'll be out just before Rogue One releases, and I'm stoked. I'm about halfway through drawing that in between Tomb Raider pages. And the other project that I'm really excited about, we're launching this October. And it's a horror book that I've written, actually. I'm not drawing it. My friend Drew Zucker is drawing it. He's done, he did a miniseries called Skybreaker that came out through Monkey Brain via Comixology. And then IDW published the trade the other year. But this is a horror series. He approached me in 2010. So we've been working on it for six years. This series is called The House. And the basic concept follows a squadron of U.S. soldiers in the Battle of the Bulge. So it's December 20th, 1944, during World War II. And they're in the, uh, the Luxembourg Forest. Uh, and they get just this brutal snowstorm hits them. And they're lost. And they can't get back to their, uh, to their base. 
And as the conditions get worse and worse, they stumble across this abandoned mansion, German mansion in the woods, and they take uh, refuge and shelter for the night in this mansion to get out of a storm. But once they get inside, things just start to get really weird. Um, And when they try to get out of the house and realize this is not where we want to be, something's definitely wrong here, all the doors are gone. Um, and the windows won't open, and they can't get out of the house, uh, and things are changing inside, and they're seeing things, and and things are are trying to attack them. So the rest of the series is about their survival and then attempt to to get out of this this house. Um, so that we're launching that one exclusively through Comixology. The first issue, which will be double sized, it's I think thirty nine pages, will be out just before New York Comic Con. Both Drew and I will be at the show in Artist Alley. We'll be showing off copies and people can buy them from us there, but also on Comixology. I think that'll just be a dollar ninety nine, so uh, a steal. It'll be I think eight issues long is what we're looking at. We ended up taking the first two issues and putting them together to make a double sized first issue uh, to try and give readers a nice bang for their two dollars. Uh, and then after after we complete the whole thing via Comixology, we're looking sometime in two thousand seventeen to print the book uh, into a big nice collection. So, yeah, that, uh, that's one thing we're super excited about and should be out this October for just in time for Halloween. Oh, that Very does cool. sound like a good one. So The House, $1.99, October. Looking forward to that yep. one. Yep. Yep. I'll send you guys copies of it before, uh, oh, before it comes be out. Oh, so cool. That would be great. Thank you. I love horror, cool. supernatural, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So that, that's up my alley. And I love awesome. World War II stuff, so that's up my <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully you guys love it since it's right up your alley, because if you guys all hate it, then we've really screwed up. So, <laughs> so, uh, so when you're uh, preparing to work on a new book, do you have yeah. like any kind of routine, or what do you usually do to um, get ready for a new comic? Uh, sure. I mean, if I have the time, which is rare, but if I have the time, I really like to just do a handful of rounds of character and concept designs just to get comfortable and consistent with how the characters look. Um, whenever I start a new arc or a new issue, I will tag in the script, like what are the locations I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in, like where are my sets? And I like to build the sets um, first via a ton of reference. I'll just I'll build folders on my computer and pull off all the photo reference I can so I have a nice visual library in designing the sets. And I'll design them um, on paper usually just with a pen, maybe a pencil. And then from there, these days, I'll, I'll jump into SketchUp and I'll build my sets and environments there. Um, just, you know, uh, most of the stuff I've been doing on Tomb Raider lately is I've, I've got about three to three and a half weeks for a 22-page issue. So being able to spend four to eight or ten hours designing and building a set uh, in 3D it ends up saving me hours and days later down the road where I can then maneuver through that environment. But yeah, I mean, some of those things just basically figuring out like, all right, what are important elements and then working on designs and then uh, just from reference, just things along of that nature helps me uh, be able to get into that world faster than just sitting down and grabbing a pencil and not knowing what I'm, what I, what everything looks like. Very cool. Hmm. Yeah. So I was no, wondering, Oh, go, oh ahead. go ahead. No, no, but go ahead. Go ahead. It's fine, really. No. I insist. <laughs> okay. The Canadian in me will not let me talk. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, okay. So I want to know, Philip, when you're not in busy drawing comics, what is it you do? Um, sleep. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I uh, so since early 2000 or late 2013, I actually have been teaching uh, comics courses at a college in Salt Lake. Uh, there's a Broadview Entertainment Arts University offers a concentration in comics and sequential art. So I've been uh, one of the instructors in the comics department for close to three years now, and I teach a lot of the visual storytelling and character and anatomy drawing um, and, and then some of the senior level classes. So I've been doing that fairly full time since 2013. Uh, this year, things I've stepped back a little bit, draw, drawing at least one book every month, sometimes two books, depending on how crazy I am, um, has has caused me to slow down a little bit. But I, I love teaching. I love working with college students. It's It's a really cool and rewarding opportunity to see kids really come alive and start to discover themselves and really push themselves um, the way that I had instructors help me push myself when I was in school. Um, so I, between that and then I've got two little kids that keep me between the teaching, the comics, and uh, two kids under the age of five, uh, that keeps me busy roughly 18 to 19 hours a day, depending on the day. <laughs> yep. Well, well, I, my I question, remember those days. My question was, and I... <laughs> I guess it's kind of a silly question to ask now is um, what are you reading when you're not doing your work? But I guess, I guess the answer is I don't have I time. I hate land to the chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I do try to, I do still try to fit stuff in. I think it was Stephen King who had said in his on writing book, like artists, I mean, writers who say I don't have time to read are also those who don't have time to write. Like it's hard to create when you're not constantly fueling yourselves with creative things. I mean, comics wise, um, monthly, I, there's like, I mean, I read 15 to 20 titles a month, or at least I buy that many. I read about half of them and the rest go on this ever growing stack of like, when I have a break, I'll read these. Um, yep. I mean, my favorite, some of my favorite series are saga, um, Southern bastards is a brilliant, amazing book when it comes out. Um, invincible. I've loved invincible for years and years and I'm, <laughs> I'm sad to hear it ending, but uh, I'm, I'm, ex- yeah. I'm excited that they're ending it on their own terms. Like uh, Ryan Otley doesn't live too far away. So I get together with, a, I get to see him every now and then. Um, and it, and it's, it's very cool. He's an, he's been an artistic hero for years and he's also just a really cool guy. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that they're ending it the way they want to end it. And it, I think it will be a fantastic ending. Um, what else do I, do I read regularly? Uh, I'm trying to mean anything Sean Murphy draws. I think he's the he's my favorite artist in the industry right now. Um, Birthright is a phenomenal book. If you guys aren't reading Birthright, go check it out from yes. Skybound. Josh Williamson <laughs> yes. and Andre Brisson read the uh, work on that book, and it's so good. I'm a huge uh, Joshua Williamson fanboy. That's why. I'm yes. Kind of chuckling. Get started. Yeah, every week I go on and on about Joshua Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite thing, favorite series he's worked on to date. It's yes. you know 19 issues in, and it's just as good as it was in issue one. Like, I love yeah. that series, and not enough people talk about that book agree. yes i agree do you feel like it's coming to an end do you feel like he's gonna kind of end now he's working on flash and stuff do you feel like he's about to end it um yeah, i would sure hope not because it feels like there's 60 issues worth of stories in that series i, I think there's agree. there's so much to tell so if you ended i would be super sad i'd have to find him at a show again um and and beg him to keep working on have it you, have you read the latest issue I think I'm one or two issues behind. I have them sitting on the top of my oh, stack. Okay, I, awesome. Well, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, we'll have to geek no, out about it once I get caught up. Yes, we will. Just let me know. Yeah. Just, tweet, just tweet us, and we'll, we'll go. 
Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I mean, those are those are some of the comics. I'm, I've been reading a bunch of books lately, just or listening to them while I'm drawing. I can do a lot of stuff while I draw. Like I listen to shows and movies and podcasts and audio books. And I, bet I I read a Stephen King book, or I try to read two or three a year. He's one of my favorite writers, and he's written so many books. You, you'll never not be able to, you know, you'll never read all of Stephen King. So. Nah, it's so awesome. I love his Bach with the stuff when he went by Richard Bachman, that early stuff. Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah. I actually just just as of two days ago, I read The Dark Half. I just finished it, which is his his basically his his book about putting Richard Bachman to rest, and it's, it was really really cool. I was like, how did I miss this book? It's one of my favorite ones I've read in a long time from him. So a really cool writer decides to bury his his Bachman esque alter ego, and that alter ego makes its way into reality and uh, he has to battle with it that way it's a really cool book i'm just gonna ask i haven't asked any other artists this and i'm I'm wondering uh, have you ever sort of tried coloring your own books i know penciling and inking is extremely time consuming but uh mm-hmm. is coloring just not your thing or do you prefer to just sort of hand it off and move on to the next issue you know I, i've colored a lot of single pieces from time to time but I've never worked up the courage to color a sequential page because it is, it's so much, not just like time consuming work, but there's so much talent and skill that goes into coloring sequential work that I start to feel like I even knew what I was doing. The artists who can color themselves like a Mitch, uh, Mitch Jared's I met um, earlier this year. And I'm probably mispronouncing his last name. He's the artist on Sheriff of Babylon right now. Um, he's incredible. And the fact that he can do a monthly book and color himself or Fiona Staples. But I mean, I've, I've, uh, you know, people like I've worked with some phenomenal colors. Jeremy Colwell did almost all of my top cow stuff. And Michael, Michael Atea is doing Tomb Raider and they're brilliant. And I just, I, I much prefer to hand it off to a pro than to, stumble my way through an issue and, and ruin it. I would love to at some point learn how to do it, but you know, time and skill, like uh, there's better people out there who will make me look so much better than I actually am. I'll just leave it to them. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know from personal experience that coloring can actually be quite difficult. Um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of us here on the, even on this podcast, those, those color your own walking dead, all that stuff. I think we've all realized how, uh, how, how how much we take colors for granted, really? Yeah. Oh yeah, there I mean, there are so many phenomenal colors. Elizabeth Brightweiser, I think, is probably one of my favorite colorists in the industry. And just you looking know, at her work, it's just like I don't know how she does what she does, but it is so brilliant, and I cannot figure it out. <laughs> yeah, Ed Brubaker really has secured phenomenal uh, artistic teams on his books. Yeah, he has. He he definitely has a, a phenomenal group working for him that just click. I love it when you can find teams that have synergy where the writer and the artist and the colorist together make a product better than the sum of their individual parts. So to kind of wrap things up a little bit tonight, um, real quick, do you have any upcoming cons or anything that you're going to be at that you want to let the world know about? Totally, yeah. I mean, I'll be at Baltimore Comic Con uh, first weekend in September. I'm at table A208, I believe. Um, Yeah, I haven't been to Baltimore. It's been years since I've done that show, so I'm really excited to go back. Um, So I'll be set up there all weekend, um, and then I will be in Artist Alley at New York Comic Con. I don't know if I have my official table number yet. I was told it's table E6, but that that might change as they're still finalizing floor plans. 
but yeah, those are the last two shows I'll do for this year. Um, and then next year I'm lining up shows. I know I'll be an artist alley at Emerald City uh, come the beginning of March. Um, but I'm still putting together next year's plan. It's I love conventions, but this year is the first year I've been doing cons while drawing a regular monthly book. Um, and it's uh, let me tell you, it's it's a little bit of a tricky challenge. I, I don't know how there are artists out who will do 10, 20 shows a year and still draw. I've done this will be my sixth and seventh this year. Um, and there's been many, many late nights making sure I get everything done on time for my book so that I can go to the show and vice versa. Yeah, well, if I can throw a show out there, if you're still looking at next year, I'm just going to throw this out here. Kansas City, Planet Comic Con, uh, April okay. 26th to the 28th, I think. They just announced the date. So, uh, cool. Yep, that's kind of one of my regional ones that, that I go to. And that, that one's always a lot of fun. I think this last year there's about 70,000 people that came through, so... Oh wow! Yeah, I'll have yeah. to I'll have to look at my schedule and see because yeah, there's I want to do some new like um, mid uh, mid size shows. I mean, seventy thousand is huge. Um, but yeah, Tidewater Comic Con in Virginia. Tidewater's good. Yeah, I've got uh, some good friends who live in Virginia, North Carolina, and love Tidewater. So I'll look into that as well. Yeah, cool, awesome, very well, cool. Thank you for coming on to the show tonight. We greatly appreciate you. Been a pleasure to speak with, and uh, good luck oh, with no. everything. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. And you're welcome to come back anytime. Yeah, so if you ever want to come back and yes. talk again, let us know. Sounds good. Maybe maybe I can drag Drew on come October time, and the, the two of us can tell you all about the house. And hopefully yes. uh, you guys will have read it and loved it. So yeah, yes. we don't have Let's do that. Let's like, do that. Awesome. Yet, so that'd be good. Yeah. Let's, Let's do it. it. Sounds cool. good. Cool. All right. Thanks again, Philip. All right. all right, gents. We will talk to you later. Thank later, you. brother. Thanks for joining us. Check us out at and follow us on social media, Twitter at number four guys in a comic, Facebook keyword four guys in a comic. Also check out popnerdtv.com and contv.com. Till next time.